Well, good morning, Edinburgh. Hey, if you're a guest with us this morning, I want to give you a warm welcome. So glad you are here with us. And uh, for those of you watching online, I want to say, hey, we're glad you're tuned in. By the way, Edinburgh, I don't know if you know this, we don't just have people watching us across the U.S. We have people watching us uh, across the world. We have people in Asia. We have people in Africa who watch these messages online. So we want to give them a, a warm Edinburgh welcome if they're watching. And hey, I also want to give just a shout out to all those parents in the, in the new parent room, if you're watching, uh, and we hope your kids are having fun. We hope you're able to sit back, relax, and enjoy the morning. And I just want to say thank you, Edinburgh, for helping us to get that uh, off the ground. Don't worry, the equipment has been tested, all right? It has been pas- <laughs> pastor-approved. We did it all for the children, Okay. And to make sure that the kids are safe. But again, thank you, Edinburgh, for helping us to get that uh, off the ground. We are kicking off a new series this morning called Simplify. And the tagline here is living life with room to breathe. Okay, because one of the things that I hear often as a pastor uh, when, I, when I talk to people is, I, Pastor, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling, I'm feeling burdened. I'm feeling... Uh, overscheduled, I, I'm feeling overspent, and I'm stressed out. This is something I, I hear a lot, and so that's what we're going to talk about in the series. How do we deal with that? I, I remember Danielle and I going on a, on a boat ride uh, on the ocean. This was down in Mexico, and we wanted to do this little tour uh, on the water, and as soon as we got on the boat, we realized we had made a mistake. They just started cramming us into this boat, and uh, we were, next thing we know, we were just like sardines uh, in, 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 this, in this cabin of this boat, and they're taking us on the water, and I'm wanting to get off because, I mean, it's tight in there. I got people all around me feeling claustrophobic. There was a smell, all right, and I, I remember wanting to say something. Like, like, back off, right? <laughs> Give me my space. Uh, but then I was like, what would Jesus do? And then I was like, Jesus would get off the boat, walk on water, and get back on shore. <laughs> so that wasn't helping. I don't know if you've ever felt like that in life, where just your schedule and your finances and your relationships are cramming you in and you feel stuck and you feel burdened and you feel stressed out. The good news was we got off that boat ride, we got back to shore, and I remember how good it felt when we stepped on to the solid ground again and could just just breathe, right, and just have that space again. Well, friends, that's what we want for you. This is what God teaches us in his word, how to simplify our lives so that there can be space in our schedules, so that there can be space in our finances, so there can be space in our relationships. Why? So that God can bless us, but even more than that, so that he can use us to be a blessing to other people. That's what this series is all about, and we want to help you with that. And so this morning what I'm doing is I'm kind of kicking off giving us kind of a summary of the things we're going to talk about throughout this series. Kind of an index of the different topics we're going to touch on throughout this series. But here's the main idea this morning. We need to learn how to slow down. Okay, the, the, the title for this message is Not So Fast. Uh, if you and I are going to be used by God and be a blessing to others, we have got to learn to slow down. We live in a busy 
busy, busy culture. I don't think I have to, to tell you from um, just, uh, I was reading this last week, found out that we are now getting, the average American getting two and a half hours less sleep than they were 100 years ago. Okay? Yet, the average American is working more hours than we did in the 1960s. So what that means, we're getting less sleep, we're working more. No wonder our lives are so busy and no wonder we're so, we're so stressed out. Friends, if you want to make a lot of money, invent something that will help people save time. <laughs> I was also reading this last week that uh, th- those frozen juices that you can buy, th- that sales are declining significantly for those. Why? People are too busy to wait for them to thaw out. <laughs> Right? We are living in a busy time. We're living in a busy culture, running from activity to job to sporting event. If you have kids, you, you definitely know what I mean. It's just we live in a busy world. But uh, God doesn't want us to live our lives like that. He wants us to have space in our schedules. Um, and so he gives us his word to teach us how to do this. And uh, this morning, I'm going to talk about just three things. Again, kind of an index of what we'll talk more specifically throughout this series. But I want to start by talking about five problems with constant hurry in our lives. The five dangers of constant hurry, uh, five reasons why you don't want to live your life constantly hurried, okay? The first one is this, and uh, if you have your message notes, you can, you can follow along on the back of your handout. Hurry increases my stress, okay? This is the first thing you need to know about constant rush in your life. Constant hurry will increase stress in your life. How many of you own like a stress ball, one of those things you squeeze? I don't know, anyone have one of those in their office? You know you're stressed out when you need a stress ball, right? You know you're really stressed out if you've ever thrown that stress ball at somebody else. I know myself, I've been there. Um, The problem is when when you're constantly in a hurry, you don't have time to take care of yourself. You don't have time to take care of the things that you need to take care of in your life. In fact, when we read Song of Solomon, um, she's talking about uh, being constantly having to work, and she says this, I couldn't care for myself. I don't know if any of you feel that way this morning. You're so busy in life, you can't even tend to your own needs. Well, friends, that means you are too stressed. If you're so stressed you can't even deal with your stress, you need to realize that you are too busy. I was, uh, got this off WebMD. You can check it for yourself. 75% to 90% of every doctor visit is stress-related. 75% to 90% of everything that someone goes into a doctor visit for, okay, it, it, they might have all kinds of different symptoms, but the root cause was triggered because of stress in our life. You can see that this is a, this is a major problem, and friends, we do it to ourselves. A lot of it is, is self-inflicted. Uh, I know not all of you are going to relate to this, but historically, I have been a chronic procrastinator. Anybody else a procrastinator in here? Okay, procrastinators unite starting tomorrow. Okay, right? (laughs) One of the things that I've done throughout my life, uh, having different, you know, meetings and appointments I've had to be at, I've tended to wait to the last second to, to, to head in that direction and to get going. 
And, uh, and you, if those of you who, who, who do that, you know what happens. You get in the car, you start heading to that meeting, you, you're going to end up hitting every red light. Or you're going to get behind the slowest car. Or you're going to get stuck in the traffic jam. Some of you are smirking out because you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you find yourself, you know, banging the steering wheel, blaming God why he would allow this to happen, when in fact it is self-inflicted. We did it to ourselves. And then you show up at your meeting and you're not in the right place emotionally, mentally. You're trying to recover from the stress. And I, I just remember... Uh, heard a guy talking about doing this for the last 15 years of his life, and he said, I added up all those appointments that I did that to. All those times I had to be to this appointment or that meeting and the stress that I felt going there. He said, I added it up over the last 15 years. It added up to six months of his life. Friends, that's sobering. Some of us are spending hours and hours and days and days of our life just stressing ourselves out. So this person said, I started leaving five to ten minutes early so that I didn't have to deal with that anymore. We'll talk more about that in this series, but what I want you to see is so much of this is self-inflicted. We do it to ourselves. We put ourselves in a hurry. It leads to stress. But the second problem is hurry decreases my joy. When I'm always in a hurry, I can't enjoy life the way God created me and wants me to enjoy life. My, my joy decreases. I, I get robbed of that. Um, it's uh, kind of like if you're in an airplane, you know, and you're flying over the country, you can see some things, and, and you can observe and, and see what's going on, but that's not nearly as enjoyable if you're wanting to, like, enjoy God's creation, taking a car ride where you can look in between the trees and see into the forest. Maybe you see a deer cross the road, right? And even more enjoyable than that, if you're wanting to enjoy God's creation, is simply to take a walk, where you can slow down and you can see the small things. Because, friends, that's where so much of our joy in life is found. It's found in the small things. But when we're constantly in a rush, we miss out on that. Maybe you can relate to Job here who said, my days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without my seeing any joy. If you're constantly in a rush, if you're constantly in a hurry, you're going to miss out on those small things, uh, that, that coffee shop conversation with a friend who encourages you, you know, or something that your kids say, or something that your grandkids, a story they tell you. You're going to miss out on those little things in life if you're always in a hurry. So it increases my stress, it decreases my joy. Third, hurry makes me less productive. You know, many of us think if I just speed up the pace of my life, I'll be more productive and I'll accomplish more. The Bible says exactly the opposite. It says, you know, you're not going to plan well and you're going to be prone to make mistakes. Proverbs 21.5, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry Put you further behind. Why? Because you can't plan. You can't think through things. And so you're going to be more prone to painting yourself into, into a corner. Uh, something I learned my grandfather would do is if he was ever working on something, trying to fix something, and he couldn't figure out a solution to it, he would stop whatever he was doing and he would take a coffee break. And I was told that more times than not, taking that coffee break, as he sat there and just did nothing, the solution would come to him. And he'd be able to fix the problem. 
Um, there, there's something about when we stop and we take time to, to, to rest and, and take breaks where our, it's like our brains open up to new possibilities and options and, and for our lives. If you never do that, you're, you're going to miss out on seeing those things. That could be a solution for a problem you're facing. So hurry makes me less productive in the long run. Let me give you a fourth one. Hurry dries up my love. Hurry dries up my love. If I'm always in a rush and I'm always busy, I can't love the way God created me to love him and and to love others. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, without love, I am no good to anybody. You know, if we don't have love in our lives, friends, we're not good to anyone. And you can see that's a problem with constantly being busy, constantly being in a hurry. You're not going to have an opportunity to love. And what's good, because one of the things that happens when we're busy, and I can tell you from experience as a pastor, you're going to get burned out. And you're going to find yourself stressed out and and feeling empty. Um, My family has had to deal with, with me over the years being burned out and emptied. Uh, in fact, I remember one time Danielle was like, would you just please go to the coffee shop? Now what she was really saying along with the kids, would you please just get out of the house, okay? We need a break from you. And so I did, and I went to the coffee shop, and I was upset, and I was angry, and, you know, they don't even care about me, they, you know. And I get to the coffee shop, and I get out of the car, And I'm walking to the door when, at the same time, this homeless man is walking to the door. And I'm sitting there going, just great. I know, I'm walking, I'm doing the math in my head. We're going to approach the door at the same time, and he's going to ask me for money. That's what I'm thinking. And so we get to the door, sure enough, at the same time. But he doesn't ask me for money. Rather, he opens the door for me and lets me through. So I open the next door for him, let him in. I sit down and I see this man go into the bathroom. He probably spends about 10, 10 minutes in the bathroom. And I realize he was, take, he was just grooming himself in this coffee shop bathroom. And I'm sitting there in the chair. I've already got my coffee and I see him walk out. And friends, I remember being so convicted in that moment. I remember God just revealing to me how hard my heart was. And I realized it had gotten that way because I was burned out. I had been so busy that I had stopped loving and caring for anyone else but myself. Maybe some of you, you can relate to that this morning. I've been there, friends. This is the problem with being busy. But I want to give you a last one. It brings us to this last one. Hurry keeps me from hearing God. And this is a big deal. If you're constantly busy, you are not going to hear God speak into your life. You cannot tell God, God, I got 30 seconds. What do you want to say to me? It just that your relationship with God does not work that way. And so if you're constantly busy, constantly on the go, you're going to miss out on what God wants to say to, to you, specifically to you. Psalm 4610, I love this. Be still. I mean, still your body, still your mind, still your emotions, you're still your thoughts. Be still and know that I am God. Friends, this verse changed my life. This verse changed my life. I remember reading this verse as a young believer, and I remember saying to myself, 
God, I am going to be still, and I'm going to make sure my relationship is right with you. I want to hear for you for, for, for the rest of my days. I am not going to do life the way the world tells me I have to do life. And friends, I want to encourage you to have that kind of attitude, to say, God, would you teach me how I need to live life? Jesus, would you teach me how I need to live life? If I try to do the way, the life the way the world tells me to do life, I'm going to be burdened, I'm going to be always in a hurry, I'm going to be stressed out, and I'm going to be empty. And so I made a decision, Lord, I'm going to learn from you. And by the way, I am very imperfect in doing this. Like I said, as a pastor, I find myself often too busy, stressed out, burned, and I'm still learning. But I'm asking you to join me in this journey as we work through this series. Friends, I want to remind you this morning, this is what God taught me. Even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. I wanted more for my life. And as your pastor who loves you, I want more for your life. If you are constantly on the go, you are going to miss out on God's good plan for your life. Okay? So I don't know about you. I want to be less stressed. I want to have more joy. I want to be more productive with my life and plan well and think through things and figure out solutions in my life and the life of others. I I want to love because that's what God created me to do. And I want to hear from God because I don't know if there's anything more important than that relationship we have with God and hearing him remind me of who I am. Well, if we're going to do that, friends, we're going to have to think through some things. And again, that's what we're going to be working through this series talking about, but I'm going to give you kind of like an overview of some of the things we're going to go into on a deeper level in the, in the upcoming weeks. And there's three things I want to talk about to set us up for this series. Here's the first one. I got to learn to be content, okay? If I'm going to slow down and live a healthier life and live the life God wants for me, I have to learn contentment because one of the reasons we find ourselves getting so busy and falling into, in, in, into that trap of, of always being in a rush is because we're not content, meaning we don't have peace and joy where we're at right now in life. But we think, if I, if I just had more, then I would be happy. You ever find yourself thinking that way? If I just had more, then... I would be happy. Well, that is a trap. It's not true. It's because that's a heart problem. I want you to see something that that Paul says in the book of Philippians, and that's important that he says it in this book. I'll tell you why in a minute. He says, I have learned to be content, and then underline this, whatever the circumstances. Whatever the circumstances. Now, now, why is this important that Paul's writing this in the book of Philippians? Because we know when he was writing this book, he was in prison. Friends, he was saying this from a jail cell. And he's, he knew what it was like to have feast, but he also knew what it was like to have famine. And he was saying, I have learned how to be content, how to have joy and peace right where I'm at, no matter my circumstance. We tend to think that if my circumstances change, then I would be happy. No. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that happiness is a choice. The Bible teaches that if you're going to have joy, you're going to have to change your heart. Discontentment, friends, is a heart issue. Even if your circumstances change, you will still be unhappy because your heart is a discontented heart. That's what has to change. It's got to be your heart. And so as your pastor who loves you, I want you practicing an attitude of gratitude. 
What I don't want you doing is having the if I just attitude that so many people have. And by the way, I fall victim to it too at times in my life. But the if I just attitude is saying, you know, if I just had a spouse, then I would be happy. And then maybe God answers that prayer and he gives you a spouse. But then the next thing you know, you're saying, well, if I just had kids, then I would be happy. And then God, maybe God answers that prayer in your life and you have kids. Well, if I just could get my kids to move out, then I would be happy. <laughs> and maybe your kids move out. And then you're saying, if I could just retire, then I would be happy. And maybe God answers that prayer and you retire, but then, friends, then your life passes you by. And you spent your entire life being unhappy about the things that you didn't have rather than learning how to be content and happy with the good things God has put in your life today. Friends, as your pastor who loves you, I want to teach you to be content with right where you're at. To learn how to choose to be happy with, with the good things God has put in your life right now. I want to remind you, God has put good things in your life right now that you can give him praise and thanks for that you can practice an attitude of gratitude today. Uh, I always like to challenge people with some of these things that we just take for granted. When was the last time you gave God thanks for having a refrigerator in your home? I don't know about you. I like having a cold drink. Amen? Ice cubes? When was the last time you said, God, thank you for a refrigerator? You realize if you have a roof over your head and you have a refrigerator in your home, it puts you in the top one-third wealth category in the world. And yet we don't ever give God thanks for things like that. When was the last time you gave God thanks for your taste buds? Yeah? Ever? I'll tell you, my family, my kids just made some chocolate chip cookies the other day. And they didn't bake them all the way. You know, so they were still like soft and doughy. And I didn't even, I couldn't put them on a plate, so I put them in a bowl. And I got this bright idea to, we had a chocolate bar <laughs> in the freezer. Thankful for the freezer. I took it out and I crumbled up this chocolate bar over these chocolate chip cookies. Friends, um, we had a worship session in our home that night. We were giving God praise, giving God thanks for taste buds and things like that. Some of you are like, didn't you just talk about putting on weight last week? Yes. All right, that was last week. Okay. What are you going to say no to your kids who just made you cookies? But the Bible says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all things to the glory of God. That means we're supposed to give him praise and we're supposed to give him thanks. I think one of the, the and I hope you'll hear me humbly here. For many people who grew up in the church, there can be this tendency to want to, to, to create a divide between the secular and the sacred. So that people will say, I'm thankful for the things that are religious in nature, and I'm thankful for things in the church, and I'm thankful. I give God praise when I'm here, and, and thanks when I'm at church or around other, you know, religious people. But I want to tell you, friends, all of creation and everything good in creation comes straight from the hands of God. The Bible tells us that, that every good gift comes from your Father above. So what we have to do is we have to learn how to reclaim everything and to say, God, it's all yours. Now, people can twist stuff and can abuse stuff for sure. 
But we want to take all of creation, the stuff outside of the church, and say, Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for chocolate chip cookies. Thank you for ice cream. Thank you for taste buds. Thank you for refrigerators. Friend, when was the last time you gave God thanks for toilet paper? I've had people get upset with me for saying, no, how could you... Friends, toilet paper is a good gift from God. <laughs> we should give him praise and thanks for it. I've been to countries, by the way, where they don't have toilet paper. Not in their public bathrooms. Or you have to buy it. It costs you money. Okay? So there's just so many things in our life. I'm just mentioning the little things. Not even talking about relationships and those, 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 those good things that God has put in our life on a, on a major level. But I believe if we would start practicing saying thank you more. Maybe you go home this week or this even today and you just say, Lord, here's ten things. Ten things I'm so thankful for that you put in my life. And be intentional thinking about that. It could just change your heart. Okay, now we're going to talk about that one specifically more next week. But if we're going to slow down, it's going to start with changing our heart and learning to be more content. Okay, here's the second one. I have to learn to take a day of rest. To slow down my life, I've got to learn to take a, a day of rest, okay? This is what the Bible calls a Sabbath. In fact, it's one of the Ten Commandments, and uh, we read about that in Exodus 20. Listen to this. God says, you have six days each day for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. That word Sabbath comes from a Hebrew word that simply means to rest. He's saying you're to take a day of rest. And notice this is in the Ten Commandments, friends. This is up there with do not murder, do not commit adultery. The problem is that religious people took this passage and took this command and they started adding all these rules to it. These things that you couldn't do on the Sabbath. And they eventually ended up making it burdensome for people. That was never God's intention. God's intention was never to make the Sabbath burdensome in your life. It was to be a blessing in your life, just like all of other, God's other commands. In fact, Jesus himself says this in Mark 2. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. He's saying God didn't create us just to follow a bunch of rules. Rather, God gave us this commandment to take a day off because he knows it's best for our life. I mean, what an amazing God we serve that says, I want you on one day of the week not to work. <laughs> That's a good God. That's a God who cares for us and loves us. We're not supposed to turn it into some burdensome command. Okay? It's actually supposed to be a blessing in your life. It's supposed to be a way for you to find rest. And it doesn't mean you sit around all day and do nothing. Now, let me just say this. It doesn't matter in the New Covenant, the New Testament, what day you, you take off. Okay? In fact, in the Old Testament, it was on Saturday. Okay? Um, it can be any day off. God just wants you to take one day off where you can rest. And it doesn't mean you sit around and do nothing. The point of the day is to fill your tank. It's to fill you up spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Okay? In fact, I want to show you something. I think we have a a rendering of a, of a bucket, okay? This, is, this represents your life, friends. And, and when you're working those six days a week, your bucket, it's like that spigot has been turned on and it, your, your, your energy levels are being drained. 
all week. Again, emotionally, physically, spiritually, you're being depleted. The reason God gave us a day off, though, is so that we could turn off that spigot, you know, from doing our work, the burdensome work, and we could start filling our tank. We could fill up our bucket again. That's the purpose of the Sabbath. That's, the, that's why you need a day off. And so this does not mean you sit around and do nothing. If I sat around on my day off and did nothing, that would actually drain me. That would not fill my tank. So let me just, you have four lines in your outline. Let me give you a few suggestions of things that you should do to help fill your tank. One, you need to spend time with God. Nothing is going to fill your tank more. That's true rest, friends. If you would take time to hear the voice of God through his word, maybe directly by the Holy Spirit, to hear God remind you of who you are and his plan for your life and his love for you, nothing will give you better rest than that. That will replenish your soul and give you new energy and life for the week. So it starts with, i got to take some time with God just to spend you know, in his word and in prayer. I want to encourage you to do that on your day off. Two, family. This is why we do the fight for family ministry uh, around here, by the way. For those of you who are newer and don't know about it, you can uh, learn more about that out in our lobby. But um, we want your family to be a refuge, a place where you can go and you can have your tank filled. For me, being with my wife and my kids... Uh, it, it just it has a way of getting me ready for the week. And I know not all of you have family like that, but my hope is maybe through this series, maybe there could be some reconciliation. Maybe you could make some amends, and maybe your home could be a place of refuge where your tank is filled. Here's another one, recreation. I want you to notice that word, recreation. Recreation. Recreate. That's literally what it means. Recreation is order to fill your tank. It's order that you're going to be a new creation after doing some kind of activity. So, friends, for some of you, I mean, if you love playing golf, play golf on your day off. Or getting a basketball game together. You know, what's that? Is winter's approaching? Skiing for some of you. Or snowboarding. There's all kinds of things that you can do on your day off that help you to recreate yourself. For me, it's uh, cre- uh, just being in God's nature, being in creation, and, and experiencing the beauty of, uh, of creation. I love that. And then the last one, exercise. You know, just uh, some of you, just doing some exercise on your day off would help you bounce back. It's said that those who exercise... Um, are 20% more productive at work than those who do not exercise. Okay, so on your day off, it would make sense. Doing just some, some exercises could be, could be great for you. So for me, that's taking lots of walks and stuff like that. Now, why don't we do these things? Why don't you take a day off and cut off your emails and, 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 and maybe choose that day not to go get the groceries and, and do some of the chores around the house? Why is it that we don't do those things? Can I just tell you, it's because we don't trust God. Friends, it's a trust issue. You're saying, God, I don't, I don't trust you that everything's going to get done if I take this day off. It's a heart issue. But, you know, we have a great example in our culture of what happens if you'll trust God. How many of you on a Sunday ever have a hankering for some waffle fries? 
<laughs> How many of you have ever found yourself driving to Chick-fil-A only to remember halfway there that they are closed on Sunday? Okay, Chick-fil-A takes Sundays off, and I don't think a business has to do that to be biblical by any means. The, the employees need to, but Kathy Truett said we're going to do this to make sure that our employees have one day off a week where they can go to church and they can get their tanks filled. Did you know that per restaurant, Chick-fil-A makes more money than McDonald's, Subway, and Starbucks combined? Forbes just wrote an article on it. Okay? They are proof what happens. You say, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to take that day off. I believe that I can do more in six days than those who don't trust you can do in seven. Amen? Friends, this is what I want to challenge you on, is trusting God. Do that with your time. Do that with your finances. You're saying, God, I'm giving it all to you. I'm going to do what you teach me in your word, and I'm going to trust you with the rest. If you do that, your time, your finances, it will go a lot farther. We'll talk more about that in this series as well. So I want you to challenge you, consider taking a day off. What could that day look like for you? Okay, but uh, I'll wrap up with this last one. I've got to learn to use love as a filter. Friends, love is one of your greatest time management tools available to you. Um, When it comes to your schedule, to simply ask yourself, what what is the most loving thing to do? I'm talking about when you have two competing priorities in your life and you have to decide one over the other, what's the more loving one to do? Paul says in 1 Corinthians, do everything in love. This is the, the point and the purpose of, of, of our lives. It's to love God and it's to love, to love other people. And if you're too busy, you're, you're, you're going to miss it. And I can tell you, I've been at the deathbed of people as a pastor. And I'll tell you, when you are in that moment with those people, they are thinking about two things. Two things. They're thinking about, one, their relationship with God. They're thinking about things like, am I ready to meet my maker? And did I live out my purpose? They're thinking about that. And by the way, if that's you this morning, you, you don't have to worry about that. That's why God sent Jesus. That's why Jesus did it all for us, as imperfect people as we are. So we don't have to worry about where we're going when we die. But people are thinking about that on their deathbed. I promise you that. Then they're thinking of something else. They're thinking of the people they love and their relationship with other people. Did I love them well? I've never been at a deathbed and had someone ask me to bring their business ledger or their bank account or their trophies. Friends, these are the two things. It tells us something. It tells us that these are the two things in life that ultimately matter. And so I want to challenge you to think about those things. Don't wait till your deathbed. Think about those things now. And filter your life through love. You won't regret it if you live your life that way. All you do, you might want to write this down in your outline, just what is the most loving thing to do? When you have to make a choice and you have to decide between one thing over another, what is the loving thing to do? And I want to encourage you, and my hope for you is that you will always choose that which is more loving. Friends, I know some of you come in here this morning and you're feeling burdened and you're feeling stressed out and you're feeling overwhelmed. You need a leader for your life. Someone to help you set the pace That's right for you. And that's not me, by the way. It's Jesus. Jesus will be that person who will come into your life and he will help you to live at the right pace 
that God has created you for. Some of you, you just need to hear this this morning. This is Jesus talking to you. Forget me up here. Hear Jesus talking to you directly this morning. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. This is his teaching, by the way. He's saying, take my teaching upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, my teaching is easy, and my burden is light. Friends, if you need rest this morning, the good news is Jesus can give you rest. But you got to learn from him. You got to hear his teaching, and you got to learn the way God has designed you to live. And so, my challenge for you is simply this be here for this series. Be here for this series, okay? Don't miss out on what we're going to talk about the, the rest of the weeks throughout this series. Um, for some of you, this series isn't going to help your life. This series is going to save your life. And so I don't want you to miss it. It might save a relationship, maybe with your kids or your spouse. But I want to make sure that you have breathing room in your life so that you can be used by God to be a blessing to others. Let me close this out in prayer. Lord, help us with our schedules and our finances. Help us to, to have that deep rest, Lord, that only... You can give us. We don't want to live stressed out lives. We, we want more joy, the joy you promise us as a fruit of your Holy Spirit. We want to be more productive, not less productive in how we live our lives. God, we want to love you and we want to love others well. And we want to hear from you, God, and be reminded of who you say we are so that we know our identity. And so, Lord, teach us how to be content. Give us opportunity this week to give you thanks for the good things you've put in our life. And Lord, teach us how to take a day of rest and to trust you with the other six days. Give us wisdom for that. And Lord, help us to use love as our filter. So we always ask ourselves, what is the most loving thing to do here so that we live a life of purpose and we live a life of love? And I know there are some here this morning, they just need rest, God. They just need peace this morning. I just pray that... Anyone out there who needs that peace, who needs that rest, just come to Jesus this morning. Jesus says, I'm here. Come to me. I will give you rest. Learn from me. We will go on a journey together, and I will teach you a different, better way to live. If that's you this morning, just say, Jesus, here I am. I'm ready to learn from you. I'm ready to do life your way. Thank you for what you've done for me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.